Well, good morning. So good to be with you today on this rainy morning. So glad you came. Um, we are in our final session of our study, Life on the Vine. It's been a great study, hasn't it? I have enjoyed going through it myself. Um, so I have worked here at Crossings for a little over four years, and currently I'm a project manager here. So what I do is I work on a lot of the construction or environmental projects, um, but then I also help ministries and whatever projects they may need. So I enjoy getting to work with all ministries at all of our locations. Um, I actually started working here at Crossings in women's ministry with Deidre. So this morning's a little bit like coming back home for me. Um, <clears throat> my family and I have attended Crossings for a little over eight years. So this is a picture of my husband, Cord, my daughter, Holly, and then my son, Heath. And uh, Heath also works here at Crossings. He's on the venue production team. So it's fun to be able to work with my son. It's been such a treat to listen to our teaching team take us deeper into each of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're going to finish our study by looking at faithfulness and self-control. Our passage today takes us to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. Now, Peter is one of the original 12 disciples, so he was fortunate fortunate enough to be a night witness to Jesus's ministry here on earth. And in these verses, Peter is writing to a group of believers in response to false teaching that was going on in their area. And in this text, you'll see a similar list to the one Paul gives us in Galatians 5 when he lists the fruit of the Spirit. Peter is wanting to encourage these believers to remember their faith and remind them to build on that faith to show the evidence in their lives of living in the spirit. And while Peter was writing to a specific group of believers, we as believers have an application today from these verses. So we're going to look at that. Let's read the passage and I'll be reading from the New English translation. It's on the screen up here. From Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have been granted a faith just as precious as ours. May grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these things, he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises, so that by means of what was promised, you may become partakers of the divine nature after escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly affection, to brotherly affection, unselfish love. For if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. So our first application we see in these verses is we have been given a gift. 
So have you ever been given a gift that was really just perfect for you because it was so personal to you? Or maybe you're the, the person that is able to pick out those kind of gifts to give to people. I don't know about you, but my favorite gifts I received are not my favorites because they are expensive or it was a grand gesture. My favorite gifts are ones that were handpicked or handmade just for me by someone who loves and knows me and that I know and love. My Grammy, my mom's mom, was a great gift giver. She lived on a limited income, so she didn't have a lot of money to give gifts to her five kids, their spouses, and her 13 grandchildren. But what Grammy did was she used her talents of sewing and baking, and she would go around her house and gather things that she had to make gifts for us. And sometimes those gifts might be the same thing, like an ornament, but they were personal to each of us because some detail about it was personal. Maybe it was our favorite color, or it was connected to something we were interested in. Sometimes um, everyone would get a gift for Christmas and for their birthday, and um, she would always include a personal note. Here's a picture of just a few of the items that Grammy made for me throughout my life. Her gifts were so special because they were a reflection of her love for each of us as a member of her family, as one of hers. In the same way, in verses 1 through 4 of this passage, Peter uses the word granted and bestowed to describe the gift of faith the believers have received from God through Jesus Christ. Just as those first century believers, as one of his, we can also claim this gift, being known and loved by him, but also ones who know and love him. We are granted or have received the gift of faith. And with this faith and our knowledge of God comes everything we need for life. Now, not only have we received this gift, we have to accept it. See, when you're given a gift, you have the choice. You can accept it or reject it. Peter is talking to those who have accepted the gift of faith. Why is this important? Because accepting this gift results in us having everything we need for life and godliness. Not just some things or quite a few things. Everything. This is not talking about everything in the sense of what the world would consider everything, wealth, nice things, the best education. In verse 4, Peter goes on to tell us that it's everything we need to become partakers or to share in God's divine nature, the nature found by abiding in the Spirit, and the nature that will help us escape the world's corruption caused by our human desires or our human nature. Isn't that the perfect gift, ladies? A gift of faith that gives us everything we need to live in this world and escape the world's desires for us and claim what God desires for us. What a beautiful and personal gift for each of us. Now, when we talk about faith, it's important to also talk about faithfulness. 
You see, faithfulness is the evidence of our life of faith. And that's why it's included in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Faith in God is commonly known as trust in God or faith in the gospel of Christ. When we frame it within this list of Christian virtues or life in the Spirit, it means faithfulness or reliability. So to sum it up, faithfulness is the outcome or the visibility of our faith. It's evident to others as we live our lives. It's part of the fruit that we produce, and it's our response to God's faithfulness to us. The best way to get a picture of what faithfulness looks like is to look at the source of our faith, Jesus Christ. The Gospel of John gives us insight into the faithfulness of Jesus. So we're going to look at a couple of verses in this Gospel. John chapter 1, verse 14 is where we'll start. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And then in verse 17 of that same chapter, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was full of faithfulness. Faithfulness that showed the glory of being God's son, evidence of his divine nature. He showed his unfailing love and faithfulness by coming to earth, becoming human like us, and living among us. And in doing so, he showed us how to live, how to love others, how to have a relationship with God the Father through himself. Jesus was the conduit or the vessel to show the glory of God, the nature of God. And when he ascended into heaven, he left us the Holy Spirit to continue that work in us, to help us show the evidence of Christ in our lives. So what does this really look like? How do we show faithfulness to God? So just a few things that I thought of, right? Being faithful in our service to him and to others. Being faithful in our stewardship of what he has given us, our gifts, our abilities, our opportunities, our resources, so we can use it for his kingdom work. We must be faithful in reading and studying the Bible so we can share what we learn with others. We must be faithful in prayer and communing with God, partnering with the Spirit as our lives are transformed to be like Christ. Sometimes it's easier to see the results of unfaithfulness in our world, isn't it? Loyalty, trust, fidelity have been replaced with selfishness, distrust, division, and infidelity. We must make sure our faithfulness is to God and that it's in our response to our faith in God in order to show the fruit of our lives in him. See a picture of, uh, this is our little great nephew, Andrew. He's three years old. And he was at our house a few weeks ago playing in the backyard and he found a ladybug, which he promptly named Spider because ladybug, spider goes together, right? So he was playing with Spider and he put him on the ground so he could follow him. Well, we think Spider took this opportunity to make a run for it, right? <laughs> Away from Andrew. 
because all of a sudden we hear Andrew going, I can't find spider. And of course the adults sitting around were like, oh, that's too bad, you know. Well, Andrew stops where he is and he says, I'm gonna pray to God. And so he just knelt down and put his little hands together. And then we just heard whispering as he was talking to God about spider. And then when he got done praying, he didn't run around. He wasn't crying, throwing a fit. He came over and just sat in his little lawn chair. And he just waited. Why? Because Andrew had faith that God heard his prayer. And Andrew displayed that faith by going to God faithfully in prayer. That is how our faithfulness is evidence in our lives. Knowing, trusting, believing, and acting like we have faith in God. Even in the littlest things. Just like Andrew did with his prayer. As we read on in these verses, we see that we've not only been given a gift of faith, but we also see the next application for us. So let's read in verses 5 through 7. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly affection, to brotherly affection unselfish love. So our next application is we have been given instructions. In these verses, Peter gives us a list of Christian virtues or attributes. And one commentary suggested picturing these virtues as a staircase, one that builds as it goes up. And in placing faith or faithfulness at the beginning of the list or the landing of the staircase, then step by step, we start adding these characteristics of God's nature to our faith. And as we do, transformation begins to happen. It's important to maintain our faith as the foundation. If we don't maintain that faith and faithfulness, right, the evidence of the, our faith, then we lose the why of the transformation. The why, the act of our nature being transformed to be like our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter continues to give instructions to add, or in or some translations say supplement our faith. Now, when I think of the word supplement, I think of vitamins, supplements, and I think the older I get, the more I have to take, right? So um, we have vitamin A, B, C, D, iron, very important. Why do we take these supplements? And not just because the doctor told us to. We do it to be healthier, to replace a deficiency we might have in our system, to help our body function at the highest and most efficient capacity possible. It's the same with our faith. Our faith is the first step, the foundation to build on as we add these other virtues or supplements that Peter lists in the following verses. So our lives are able to be nourished to create the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and be transformed. Peter first lists the supplements of excellence, which speaks to quality, and then knowledge, which is a combination of our information, right, that we learn and experience. And then he says to add self-control. Now we're gonna spend a little time here because that is the final attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. 
Now, I have to be honest with you. When this was assigned to me to talk about, I wasn't too thrilled. I mean, does anyone here get excited to hear the words self-control? The immediate thought that usually comes to my mind is I'm going to have to give up something I really, really like, right? Or maybe the word discipline comes to mind or something being strict and confining. None of those are fun. Well, in the world's definition, that's true. The world says you can just say no to something you desire under your own willpower and strength. If you're disciplined, just quit doing it. Well, if you're like me, that sounds like instant failure. Most of the time, it's a temporary transformation based on our human desires. But I have some good news about self-control. The biblical definition of self-control that Peter and other New Testament writers talk about is one that is actually freedom for us as believers. It's mainly found in the New Testament, and many times it's included in a list just like in these verses. So the good news, self-control is a virtue of the Holy Spirit that helps believers avoid falling into the temptations of the world. In fact, to give into these temptations or to follow our human desires, we actually have to ignore or disengage from the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we stay in bondage to sin. Instead, self-control is the Spirit's way of protecting us, giving us freedom from this bondage. And in the process, we are transformed. In being self-controlled, we are actually controlled by the Holy Spirit. We're not suppressing our human desires, but with the help of the Spirit, we are saying no to ungodliness, no to our human desires that conflict with the Holy Spirit. And in saying no to these things, we are actually saying yes to living upright and godly lives. We're saying yes to the desires that align with God's desires for us. A look at Jesus' life offers many examples of how we can say no to our human desires and say yes to living a life in the Spirit. We're going to look at a couple of those examples right now. In Matthew 4, we find the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And before the temptation scene even begins, Jesus fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Scripture says he was famished. I think that's putting it a little mildly, isn't it? After those 40 days, Satan is allowed to start tempting Jesus. First up, the temptation to command some stones to become bread. Now remember, Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 days. But even with those circumstances, Jesus doesn't fall into temptation. Satan continues to tempt Jesus by asking him to prove he's the son of God by jumping off the highest point of the temple so the angels can save him. And then a third time, Satan promises to give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if Jesus will just simply worship him. And each time, Jesus responds by quoting scripture. He doesn't respond with a no. He responds with the words of God. And in fact, his last response to Satan is one I believe we all can use when we're confronted with temptation. 
In verse 10 of the chapter, it says, Jesus says, go away, Satan. Go away, Satan. For it is written, you are to worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Sounds like a good self-control response for us, doesn't it? We can use that when we are met with a desire to fall into temptation. We find another example of Jesus' self-control in Matthew 27. And at this time in his ministry, it's the end of Jesus' ministry, and he's been arrested. He's been taken to the governor's residence. The soldiers have stripped him. They put a scarlet robe around him. They then put a crown of thorns on his head, a staff in his right, right hand, and then they begin mocking him and spitting on him and striking him repeatedly on the head. Yet Jesus doesn't fight. He doesn't yell. He doesn't say, forget it, I'm not doing this, I give up. He doesn't even say, I'm innocent, even though he could have. Instead, Jesus takes the beating, the mocking, and eventually he succumbs to death on the cross. He could have said no to saving us. He could have crushed those who were mocking him, who took him to be crucified. And instead, Jesus chose self-control through the power of the Holy Spirit. Instead of saying no to God's plan, he said yes to taking on the weight of our sin through his death on the cross. Just as Jesus said to his heavenly father in the garden, not my will, human, flawed, weak, but thy will, God's will, spirit-filled, perfect, divine. Self-control. The continual practice, training, supplementing, or building on our faith of not just saying no to our human desires, but saying yes to the desires God has for us in living our lives in alignment with his divine nature. I don't know what you need to say yes to in living your life on the vine, loving others, joy in all circumstances. Maybe it's self-control. Whatever it may be, with the help of the Holy Spirit, say yes to the desires of God for your life. Say yes to freedom from bondage to your human desires. Say yes to supplementing your faith, building that staircase with the attributes of God's divine nature. We have one more verse in this passage. <clears throat> and in this verse, Peter gives us the reason for applying these characteristics in our life. So let's read that verse. For if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. So our final application, we have been given a promise. In this verse, Peter gives us an if-then statement. If these things are really yours and are continually increasing, that refers back, right, to the instruction that he gave in the previous verses. If we accept the faith and are increasing that faith with the characteristics of the Spirit, going up that staircase, supplementing, if we are doing this, then 
It will keep us from becoming ineffective, unproductive, unfruitful in our pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ. Let's say it in a different way. If we are adding these characteristics or these attributes, if we are supplementing our faith, continuing to build on it, then we will be effective and productive, producing good fruit in our lives as we get to know Christ and become more like him. The year I was turning 50 years old, I decided I wanted to do something big, right, and special to mark the occasion. I could have picked a big vacation or a big party, but instead I let one of my good friends, Christy, talk me into doing a half marathon. All right. Now, there might be some of you that think a half marathon sounds exciting, but I think probably most of you are going, Sheila, that doesn't really sound like a great birthday celebration idea, right? You see, not only was I not a marathon runner, I wasn't an even around the block runner, right? I did not even run down the driveway to get the mail, okay? Um, But I was a walker. I walked a lot. So knowing that about me, My friend Christy got me on a plan to walk the half marathon. So the plan was this. You start out walking a certain distance on this day for stamina. Then the next day, you walk the same distance for speed. Because I forgot to mention, I had to finish this in a certain time frame. Okay. So anyway, as it turns out, there was five months of training, slowly increasing my distance and speed each week to get to where I needed to be by the time the marathon happened. And my friend lived in Texas at the time, so she could not train with me, all right? Fortunately, my husband and my daughter stepped up to be my partners in the training. Our last training session actually took us to Lake Hefner. This was a week before the race began. We walked all the way around Lake Hefner and a little bit further. All right, so race time comes. It's in Las Vegas, in the desert, at night, and so it's cool, it's dark, and no one can see me. So that's, that's my kind of race, right? Um, I started out strong. I was even jogging a little bit, right, feeling good. They had bands playing, and people were cheering on the sidelines, you know, and you're kind of pumped up, and yeah. And then the crowd starts thinning. And we head to a not-so-festive area. In fact, it was pretty dark and there was no band here. Um, And about mile nine or 10, I'm wondering why in the world I said yes to doing this. I was tired, I was thirsty, and you all by now, the full marathoners were passing me by to get to the finish line. So very demotivating, right? (laughs) But it was too late to back out now, now. So my daughter, who was doing it with me, cheers me on. She could have already been done with the race, but she stayed with me. She partnered with me so I could say yes to finishing those last few miles. And yes, I walked across the finish line. If I had not been disciplined enough to continue my training, to build on my training each week, to train my body to do what it needed to do, I would have been ineffective and unproductive in the race. If I hadn't have had partners in my friend Christy, my husband, my daughter, I wouldn't have finished the race. That's exactly what we do by living life on the vine. It's saying yes 
to accepting the gift of faith and daily abiding in the spirit. And in doing this, it results in us consistently saying yes to supplementing our faith, saying yes to living by self-control in the spirit, building on these virtues, and growing in our knowledge of Christ so that evidence of the Holy Spirit can be seen in our lives. The promise we have been given. As we close today's session, I want us to reflect on a few things, not just from today, but for the whole study. I know you have some space in the back of your books, or um, you may want to take a picture of the questions to be, re to be able to reflect on those and maybe answer those later. But let's go through these reflection questions. First of all, have you accepted the gift of faith that God has given you through Jesus Christ? You see, that's the first step. Faith in God. His gift of faithfulness to us was in giving us Jesus Christ and now the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you have accepted the gift of faith, is it evidence in your faithfulness to him? Are you showing your faithfulness to God in your service, your stewardship, your time in prayer, and time spent studying God's word? Reflection number two, how are you adding to your faith so you can grow in the knowledge of Christ? I want you to be specific here when you're reflecting on this. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life as you pursue a life of getting to know Jesus Christ? Are you supplementing your faith with the attributes Peter listed here, what Paul listed in the Galatians passage? Are you building that staircase to strengthen your knowledge of the divine nature of Christ? Be specific. Reflection number three, is the fruit in your life representative of life on the vine? What seems to be most representative? And what seems to be a challenge for you? And then finally, how are you sharing the fruit of the Spirit with others? Remember, this fruit is not meant to be kept to ourselves. It's meant to be removed from the vine so it can be shared with others as nourishment. And then as you supplement your faith, the vine is replenished with more fruit. Ongoing, continual, daily practice, abiding in the Spirit, saying yes to God's desires for our lives, our lives that represent our life on the vine. I would like us to close by saying our anchor verses together from Galatians 5. So if you would say that with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That, dear friends is living life on the vine, the evidence of the fruit of God's spirit in our lives. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you today and we are so thankful for the gift of Jesus that you gave us, showing your faithfulness to us, and then leaving us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, 
to help us today as we live our lives day to day abiding in the spirit. Lord, I ask that as we each go out that we will reflect on how our lives are, how we are living our lives with the help of your Holy Spirit, and that we will daily seek you and your guidance as we go about our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.